it's very interesting, the culture that we live in today. Nobody wants to deal with what's absolute. And the reason you want to deal with it is because if there is an absolute in any way, shape, or form, anywhere, then those who don't believe in it are wrong. And we don't want to call people wrong. So we have a hard time with it because we don't want to do it. We think it's unloving to say you're wrong. Really, what the what-if scenario is, you know, if there is a God, and, and there is, and he knows all things, and he made things a certain way, and he did, then we need to find what it is and adjust to those things. Otherwise, we're wrong. And that's why the whole Bible talks about uh, repentance and whatever it might be, because in our lives, there are times where we need to look at things and say, well, that's not right. I have to do it differently. What we're saying is, here's the right. I'm not doing it. I need to do this. And uh, so as we get to know God, our big temptation is to try and make God like us. So we want him to think like us and understand like us. No, no, no. We have, again, perspective. I grew up in Chicago, etc. God doesn't have that. He sees things the way they actually are. Now, you can throw the word perspective there if you'd like, but that makes a weird perspective that he's 100% right all the time. So when, when God says something, it's not like you'd ever go back to him and say, I, boy, I appreciate your opinion, God. See, that, that's a line that you can't use with God. You can use it with me, and you can use it with one another, but you can't use it with God. Because he doesn't have one. What, what God says, he says. In fact, remember when he was trying to describe himself to Moses? He said, who are you? I am. <laughs> Thank you. Well, how do you describe him? I am who I am. That's all he said. Well, he, we need to go to him and discover who he is. Because he's so different than you and I. There's really very little comparison. He sent Jesus to this earth so he could see what somebody who understood who he was exactly lived. See, Jesus was, was given here so that he could die for us, but also so we could see how you live and how you die. So, so we can go look at an example of what it looks like to somebody who actually knows who God is and, and lives in accordance with it. Today I want to talk about another phrase in the Bible that's used that really confuses some people because... The question is simple. What if nothing grows unless it dies first? Because God said that in 1 Corinthians 15, 36, the apostle Paul wrote, you foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. So in order for things to actually experience life, they first need to die somehow. Now here's the problem. Once again, there's all the words in our vocabulary trying to find things so we understand what we're talking about. When Adam and Eve sinned, if you remember, God said, if you sin, there's a penalty for that. What was the penalty? Death. So they sinned. Did they fall over dead? Or something out there. What does this term mean? Is the question. So... Death, when you look at it, is a very interesting phrase. Because we think it means, I quit breathing on this earth and I'm no longer here. And that is true because of the definition of death. When you look at death consistently throughout the Bible, death always means separation from the way it could be. All right, so, 
So when man sinned, he was separated from God. That's not the way it was meant to be. He was separated from the way it was meant to be. In, in, in essence, he was dead. The people that are living without God, if you look in the New Testament, they're described as dead. And they come to life when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Born again, born into life. So a lot of times our narrow definition of something like death is to stop breathing. That is a definition of one of the aspects of death. My dad died 30 years ago. My mom died X amount of years ago. My in-laws died within the last couple of years. We're all separated now for a while. So that would be death. One day, remember what God is going to do. He's going to conquer death, right? And he did when he died. He came back from the dead and he's not separated anymore. So one day, those who are believers, they're going to never experience that separation thing again. Never. Because that's the thing that we were created not to experience. Now, you think about that, and what you understand is that life is relational. God wants you to be in relationship with other people. He wants you to love other people and be in relationship with them. And the ideal is to be in a relationship with God and relationship with other people, and that's the special part of life. When I was in um, Africa, in, in a place where they made $12 a year, one of the things that amazed me was the love and the, the enjoyment, I should say, that the people had of just being with each other. Total enjoyment being with each other. And I think, well, you don't have money. You don't have pleasures like you know, I, I wonder if my family would enjoy being together if we lived in a 10 by 10 one room building with a dirt floor. You know, when I would talk to the wives, they would beam. When I, the people I talked to, I'm sure there were others, but they would beam about my, you know, my husband when he walks out the door. Boy, I love making him look good. Because I, I, I was asking him, they live in a you know, they have a family of about eight, living in a 10 by 10 room. And whenever dad walks out the door, man, his, his white shirt or whatever is perfectly pressed. And he looks sharp. And I'm thinking, huh? How do you do that? Well, she said, well, every day we wash that shirt and I iron it before he goes. And, and, and you know, it's, it's really cool to see. They, they had an iron that they put on the fire. They had... I'm thinking, you know what? It's so much fun to see people who are poor enjoying what's important in life. People who are rich have trouble enjoying what's important. We do in America. We have, we have trouble with that. We have trouble just enjoying people. We have to do stuff. We have to be entertained all the time. We have to have something that we do together in order to enjoy one another. Now, Here's the weird part. None of that's evil. That's okay. I had a great time, uh, just me and God, yesterday. I took about 20, a half hour. It's going to go down and see if I can catch anything. And if you know the rules for catching bass in our lake, you, you can't keep them if they're six, uh, if between 12 and 16. It seems like every bass I catch is between 12 and 16, so I'm throwing them back. And I keep saying, God, I'd love supper. You know, one day I'd do that. Just... Last night, I was just about to leave, threw it in again, boom, 
16 incher grabbed it. Yes, went home, had supper. But the fun part was just talking to God about it and enjoying the fit. I was, I was reading some philosophy books yesterday, which I know all of you love to do in your spare time. Um, and what was interesting, I was trying to find commonality of good thinkers. In other words, what, what do they do the same? You know what all of them did the same? They all went out by themselves in a wooded area to try and think. Very, you know, if you're poor, you can do that. If you're rich, you can do that. The most valuable things in life, you can do. Regardless of your economic status. Regardless of, of who you are in life. The, the most important things aren't going to change. The richest person in the world still needs to go for a walk in the woods and think. And, and they still need their spouse, their, their family, to be a part of their life and love them. The poor people need it. The rich people need it. See, that's what I'm talking about. When you, when you ask the right question, you begin to see that there's a, an honest, real answer. What's really interesting here is that, that God's basically saying, if, if you want to live for what is really dead, you know, you can't really live. You've got to die to yourself and those things that keep you. Some people say, well, th- this is a bad illustration because science will tell you seeds are alive. You know, my master's is actually in science. I understand the argument. What, what they're saying is certain seeds still have potential for growth. But when you think about living, something living, okay, a seed. When a seed actually, I would ask you a few questions. Does a seed have any kind of thermostat in it so it knows what temperature it is? Does, does it have a way to know, gauge the moisture? Does it have a way to know what time of year it is so it should grow and not die in the winter? It's really hard to figure out why, they're, why they would be classified as alive. Things that are alive have usually circulatory systems and etc. But regardless of even that, I don't want to get into that, that argument at all. Regardless of that, what happens to a seed is that it cannot bear fruit unless it transforms from what it is and it's no longer what it was. And that's what's being talked about here. The seed cannot... Like a grain of corn cannot give you ears of corn if it stays a grain of corn. That's what it's saying. So, so essentially, the, the seed, the, the grain, is no more. It, it died. And in that, there is a new plant, which gives you ears of corn. So when you look at what God is saying... Some people would like to make the Bible a scientific book that talks about whether seeds are alive or not. Understand how the word death is used and realize it's saying a seed, unless it is no longer a seed, cannot bear fruit. A seed, unless it's a dead thing, it's not bad anymore. And then you read like John chapter 3 where Jesus said you've got to be born again. You've got to be different. See, the the old way becomes something that you die to. The new way, you're not even the old anymore. You're not the seed anymore. As you go through, you begin to see death is really the separation. Being dead to God is not a good thing. Being alive to God is what the goal is. 
that separates us from the way it's supposed to be. You know, corn is supposed to produce corn. So all that potential there, all that potential. So when I look at you, I look at you and I think, you know what, you're supposed to produce fruit. That's what you're supposed to do. Okay, we know what the fruits of the Spirit are, right? So you're supposed to produce those fruits. Also, just by your life, just by producing what you should, there will be others who become believers. That's just the way it goes. What's really interesting is, is when you look at how something like a seed actually grows, because that's the illustration. A seed will grow if, if it can. A seed will grow when it's put in, in what? In the proper environment. If it's not in the proper environment, it can't grow. Once again, you look at the evangelical church in this day and age, it's like, no, any environment will do. No, it won't. No, it won't. Ask any farmer if any environment works for any seed. It, it doesn't. There are certain environments that work. And there are some environments that work better than others for things. For example, poison ivy. You don't want poison ivy, correct? That's a bad thing. I'll tell you where it grows. It needs a certain environment. It, it will never grow in direct sunlight. It can't handle direct sunlight. It will never grow in a place that's 100% shade. So poison ivy always grows where there's part sun, part shade. Always. Why? That's its environment. That's why so many people get it when they camp. Because they're walking through the woods. No, no poison ivy in the middle of the woods. They're walking through the woods. Too, too dense of shade. Walking through the woods, they get to an opening. Nice opening. Let's camp there. Part shade, part sun. Perfect for poison ivy. So they camp out, they get poison ivy, they go, boy, I don't know where poison. Don't ever camp where it's part sun and part shade unless you know what poison ivy looks like and look for it when it's there. But don't bother looking for it in the shade. Won't be there. Every plant you look at, when, when I buy plants to grow up here, you know, we have sandy soil, we have, uh, uh, you know, we're in the middle of the woods. What I'm doing is I'm looking for how do, I, how do I find things that will grow in this environment? Because I'm not going to change this environment. Understand in your life that the illustration here is you need to be put in an environment that will allow you to grow weed-free, and there's so much in the Bible, we can spend forever looking at what that means. You're not a legalist if you're concerned about the environment that you grow up in. You're not a legalist if you say, I'm not going to watch these television programs, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because that environment will not produce what it should, because the environment is actually going to have a tremendous effect on the growth. And so we look at it and say, I'm going to adjust my environment. A seed in the right environment, see, it goes down, it changes, and when it grows, it doesn't look like a seed anymore. That, that's over. Sometimes a seed gets into the wrong environment, and when it does that, we're, we're in trouble. Some of you, when you start to grow, if you take it out, I've done it up here where I've seen a plant, I go, man, I, wanna, I want that to grow at my house. Go dig it up, move it, dies. I, yeah, environment matters. I was talking to a guy who loved raspberry bushes, and his wife thought 
I don't like them there. I'm going to move them over there. He kept saying, really, that's a no, different. You don't want to do that. And she did. They all died. I went down once to a guy who had this huge, huge blackberries. You know what I mean? I said, I need those bushes. You know, we had blackberries grow all over. It must work up here. Brought those bushes up. They all died. Environment. You take something out of the environment that it's supposed to be in. And then you wonder why you struggle. In our culture today, there's a lot of people struggling with emotional issues and depression and anger and, and, and anxiety. It's like, okay, what is the environment contributing to this? Because you know how you're supposed, you know how God intends you to live? The fruits of the Spirit. That's how he intends Joy, peace. That's how he intends it. Yeah, but what about the circumstances? Once again, if you look at someone like the Apostle Paul, I'm not saying that your circumstances are going to be easy. The environment may mean that, like Stephen or Paul or any of the early apostles, that life could be tough. It's, it's not an environment where you, you run away from being in tough spots. That's not it. But the environment that you're in needs to be able to transform you. Because that's what it does to a seed. Here's what happens. A lot of times what we're doing is we're trying to stay seeds. Because if I get in that environment and I do that, everything about my life will be different. I will no longer be the seed. No, everything will be different if you get put in this other environment. Everything. And that's exactly what God teaches through the Bible. We need to be those who allow ourselves to die to the way that we were and grow and become something that produces a tremendous amount in the world in which we live, both fruits of the Spirit and and however God wants to use us in life. Bonhoeffer once said that Jesus was saying, when I call you, I bid you to come and die. Now again, Bonhoeffer is one of those who says a lot of things that go over your head you ever want to read a book that's really hard to grab, read his book on ethics. It's a great book, but it, it, it'll take you time. Uh, and, and so here's one of these great thinkers who took on Hitler and, and had a great struggle in life for what he should do. But he realized this isn't about Dietrich. This is about God. And as he died to himself, God used him in a very significant way. Luke 9.22 saying, The Son of Man suffers many things, or be rejected by elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and killed on the third day be raised. And he said to all, if anyone come after me, if anyone really wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Whoever keeps trying to be a seed and save that, save it like that, whoever tries, I want to save this seed, well then you're never going to have corn. That's what it says. You can save the seed. But those people who understand what God is teaching is, no, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm not going to save the seed. I'm going to let the seed go. I'm going to put it in an environment where the seed is transformed completely. So somebody then who is a true believer walking with God, they don't look like an unbeliever who doesn't walk with God. They don't look like them because they're being transformed in time. And so then when you look at it, you go, well, that makes sense. You know, that makes sense to me. Because you are somebody who is not trying to maintain your seedness. 
you're trying to allow the potential of that seed to happen. And in that process, you get totally different. Colossians 2, 13 to 14 says, And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive with him, having forgiven all our trespasses. So the word is used again, dead. Once again, look at the definition that's consistent through the Bible. Those of you that were separated from God, you were separated from the environment. You, see, part of the environment for growth is, is being in God's word and, and, and loving God and knowing him. That's part of the environment. You're not going to have that. You're not going to grow. So, so what happens if you're not even in God's family, you're separated from God. And that term, being separated from God, would be the term dead. So, so you, without God have no potential to go where you should go. That's really a a strange statement. Do you know how important potential is? You know, for for God, when he made each of you, he knew knew you in your mother's womb, and he he saw how he made you, he created you special. You each have something in life to do. I was talking to the tell people yesterday about how, how critical it is where God assigned people different skills and crafts, not, not just preachers, and, but, but it's, he assigned them woodworking skills and crafts to be used to build a temple and to be used for other things. It, it's amazing how God makes the body so diverse. It, you may be interested in totally different things than I would be interested in. And, and God says, yeah, that's because you're a corn seed and they're an alfalfa, you know, whatever and, and so they're going to grow different, and their environment actually is a little different, and they're, but they're still going to grow. The principles still apply. We need to keep the weeds away. We need to, all the principles are going to apply to both of you. But your gifts, I'm giving you, the, the outcome I want from you is different. And, and that's okay. It's, it needs to be different. So what that allows me to do is what we were talking about yesterday, the body parts, the elbow. The, it, it allows me to cheer you on no matter where you are. If you're an artist, if you're a musician, if you're a welder, I get to go, yay you. You know, this is great. Why? Because God gave that to you to do. Your job is to put it in the right environment, use it the way God intended it to be. And again, those people who are guarding their seed, they never get there. They stay dead. They stay separate. They stay the environment around them never gets to the point where it allows them to grow. Very important. You were dead at one time. You were dead because of the sins that separated you. But God made alive together in him has forgiven all of our trespasses by canceling the record of death that stood against us with all its legal demands. He set aside nailing to the cross. Jesus said, no, I came here so that I could actually stop the separation. You need you were made, you and I were made to be loved. Yeah, you were. You were made to be loved by God. That's why being loved by anybody is such a wonderful thing. Because it's like, oh, that's right. That's right. Yes, it is. Not used by somebody. God, you know, by definitions again, God doesn't need you to be God. I don't need any of you to be Dave. You know, it's just the fact of life. The the specialness is that God wants us to be involved. That's the special part. And if somebody wants you around, 
you will find that far more of a privilege than somebody needing you around. If somebody needs you, eventually you're going to go, I got to go take care of. That's how your attitude will be. All right, they can't take care of themselves. I have to go, boom, I'm needed. However, if somebody wants you, sometimes there's little children my my wife watches and enjoys and um, the elder child children, you know, um, will will come over and all of a sudden uh, Bella will see me and she'll just run full speed and grab my leg. Little girl comes up to my knee and, you know, she doesn't need me. You know, it's really fun at that moment. This little girl that comes up to my knee wants me. She just wants me. She'll grab my hand and we'll start walking somewhere. I'm going, oh, that's cool. You know, she doesn't need me for anything. She just saw me, and she'll, then as soon as she sees my wife, she abandons me and goes to her. And then she'll look at her mom and say, Mom, I, I want to stay at Linda's for a while. And it's like, oh, Linda just glows. Why? She doesn't need to. There's somebody who wants to. It, it, the best things in life are not trying to position ourselves to be needed. You weren't meant to be needed. You weren't meant to be needed. You were meant to be wanted. And down deep in all your hearts, that's what you're looking for. That's what's so cool. I commit to somebody. I say, for the rest of my life, I'm going to do what I need to do to make your life what it should be. I want to do that. Do I need Linda to breathe and do my laundry and do, do, do? I don't need her for that. Sun will still come up tomorrow. I'll still, if something happened to her, life will go on. It would be proven that I don't need her. But I will miss her because I want her. It's a special part of life. I want to be with people. I want to be with God. God wants me to be with him. That's what's special about it. But I can say no to God and I can say no to people. I, can, I cannot live the way I'm intended to live and then I'm in trouble. Because I'm living in a way that it's not meant to be anymore. What's really cool is that when I really realize that, I die to the normative structure of the world that's trying to keep me a seed, and I become alive to what God wants. And with that, I get fruit, fruit of the Spirit. I get fruit. Other people get to know Jesus. And God can use me wherever he wants. He can use any way and anywhere he wants to use me. He can, and all of a sudden it's different because now being dead to me, means that I'm alive to God, which means he can use me any way he wants. And I see it as a privilege. I don't get overly stressed out by the fact that I, poor me, I have to get up and listen to God today. You know, then, no, it's different. It's like, all right, God, let's do it. Um, one of the things I always appreciate about some of the uh, more indigenous people is when they go hunting and they do things, they're just very thankful for it whatever they kill and eat, because they realize that that's the, the food chain. It's the way life is in life. I mean, you do that. You, they, they really don't hunt just for the fun of it. And, and, and I really learned that from, from them. And, and yesterday I got that fish. I said, well, my intention was to catch supper. I did. Immediately, I just thanked God for it and said, thank you. you know, I mean, it's a wonderful experience. I don't need to have that fish. God doesn't need to provide. But, but he wanted me as his child, to enjoy him and to enjoy the things that he's created for me. And, and boy, what a wonderful world is then. It's really hard to be moany and groany in a world like that. Because instead, you start to be just thankful that 
You're not separated from God. That would be death. You're not separated from those you love. That's death. So I think when I look at divorce, some of you have experienced divorce in your life and people, you know, and maybe your own family, and it, it's, they separate. Ugh, they weren't meant to be separated. That's really a hard thing for everybody involved. It's just hard. Right? Because that's not the way it should be. So it doesn't mean that they're evil people, by the way. All of us live lives doing things we shouldn't do. But you can see time and time again how that separates you from the way it's meant to be. And you go, I don't want that anymore. Eventually, God, I just want to listen to you because I don't want to be separated from the way it's meant to be. I don't want to do that. And because you love me and you want me, I'm going to listen to you. That's it. And I know, God, I have this thing called perspective where I look at people and think, this is the way I think it is. And God goes, I know, that's how you think it is. But let me tell you the way it is. Boom, 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 boom. And he tells me. You go, oh, yeah, that is the way it is. And it's the same as, for me, as it is, the important stuff. All the important stuff in life is the same for Dave Wager in the United States of America as it is for Joe Blow from Idaho as it is from the guy in Africa. You know what I mean? It, it's all the same. If it's true, it's true to all of them. If it's not true to all of them, then it might be a cultural thing or it might be a perspective thing. and that, That's fine. We have those, and I'm not saying those are evil. I'm just saying if, if it's not true to everybody, then it's not really a truth. But to everyone, there's a God who loves them, who wants them, who wants to include them in it. That's going to be the same. There's no way to understand them if we're going to try and stay a seed. If we're going to try and stay the way we think all the time and stay that way, there's no way to grow. If we die to that... And we're willing to separate from that and go into a different environment and let it grow and change. And then when you go to older, you realize, wow, look at all the fruit that came from that because I didn't stay a seed. That'll be the fun moment when you look at that. Let's pray. Again, Father, thank you that we could meet this morning. I thank you for each of these individuals that have given up their time to come here and serve. We ask that you would continue to speak to their hearts, draw them to yourself. Allow them to see how much you love them and respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.